0: Welcome to You Are Not A Goat. If you want to follow your passion and do what you love, this is the podcast for you. Without further ado, here's your host, Slimy Zayans.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Goat. My name is Shlimy Zayans and I am your host. Welcome back to the Show, So this week, we have a really cool episode, something I've never done before. It is a live, in-person interview that was done in Afghanistan. Yes, you heard that correctly, Afghanistan. I went to Afghanistan a couple of months ago, and I met a really amazing guy who was actually my tour guide. He took me around the country, and this is an in-person interview with him to understand what Afghanistan is like. You see, Afghanistan is one of the most misunderstood countries in the world. We've heard so much terrible news coming out of Afghanistan, so many terrible stories. Um, it's widely associated with terrorism and just violence. And I was there. There's definitely a lot of violence and a lot of terrorism. but There's also a lot of beautiful scenery. There's wonderful food, really nice people. And this is stuff you do not hear about anywhere. So please enjoy this episode. It's called Understanding Afghanistan. And perhaps after this episode is done you will understand a lot more about Afghanistan than you originally did. So take a listen and enjoy. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of this podcast. I am currently sitting in Kabul, Afghanistan with my new but very close friend, Noor Muhammad Ramazan, who has taken me around this country and this city for the past two days, almost three days now, and I've been having a wonderful time in Afghanistan, but I really wanted to introduce you guys, the listeners, to Noor because he has a very interesting story and he runs a very interesting business. So Noor, why don't you say hi? Uh,
0: hi Shalom and hi to all the listeners, thank you so much for this time. And, uh, and thank you so much for visiting Afghanistan. And, uh, it was, uh, I think, an interesting time to go around with you. Yeah,
1: it was certainly and a lot of fun. I had a great time. And I just wanted to tell the listeners in case they're wondering, any background noise that they might hear, like there might be sirens, there might be helicopters or airplanes or beeping cars or, you know, ringing phones. It's all because we're sitting outside Kabul airport right now. We just got off a flight and it's a nice day not too hot because we're sitting in the shade and we're just having this conversation out here it's my first time doing a face-to-face podcast meaning i usually do it over the phone so it's the first time actually sitting down with somebody and talking face-to-face i'm really enjoying it and um yeah it's also my first time doing it at like a random location so we're gonna get some background noise but that's fine so let's get into your story can you tell me a little bit about yourself first of all like how old are you and and uh you know where you're from and that
0: kind of thing well uh Thank you so much. Uh, so you know, my name is Noor and uh, I am like probably like thirty-three years old. I was born in nineteen eighty-eight, and uh, I was born right in the middle of the war with the Soviets when the Soviets were leaving Afghanistan. So mm-hmm. I was just born, and uh, uh, I don't really have an exact birth date. So the the story is a little bit long about this, and uh, so. We chose my birth date, 13th January 1988, and it was uh, a conversation when I was going to... I was supposed to go to the uh, U.S. for a youth exchange for a study. Right. We're going
1: to get to that in a few minutes. Okay. We'll yeah. get to that part, but we we'll go ahead. Okay. So, sh- sh- should I
0: continue this Yeah, one? yeah. Sure. Okay. And... Uh, well, they were asking me questions, and I was supposed to have an interview, and during the interview, it, it was like American delegation sitting and asking me questions, and suddenly they asked me about my birthday, and I was so confused what to say, and I just told them that, oh, at that time I was like 17 years old, and, uh, and they were so surprised that I didn't know my birthday, but actually, it was not very interesting, because... Uh, I never had any birthdays in my, like, birthday parties in my life, so I didn't know that. And, I, and it was never important to my family as well, and it was not recorded nowhere. And uh, so I can say I'm, like, 33 years old, and now my birthday is... Uh, so the, the, the American delegations, they chose 13... Uh, January 1988 as yeah. my birthday. So, and I'm living in Mazar-e Sharif for now. It's a city in the north of Afghanistan. Originally, we are coming from Ghazni province, which is the central Afghanistan. My parents are coming actually from there, and uh, yeah, yeah. I um, I just call Mazar-e Sharif home.
1: Okay, so so a little bit about your birthday. My understanding is that this is actually uh, quite common in Afghanistan, where people don't know exactly when they're born. Uh, you, as you mentioned earlier when we were talking you know um, i think it was yesterday or the day before that during times of war there's a lot of stress and and you know there's a lot to worry about so when someone's born they don't necessarily know exactly when the birthday was they know generally what year it was or whatever because there were so many things happening you don't actually know exactly when it was so were you born in a hospital or were you born no no
0: no. Uh, mine was just totally a natural birth at home
1: at home okay yeah. so so there was so that's i guess why there's no birth certificate yeah or something. Because I would imagine if someone's born in a hospital, they would probably right. would have documentation that would right. say when they're born. Right,
0: yeah. So, no, it, it, was, it was my mom, just my grandma and some, some grandma's friends just, you know, taking care of my mom. And, and that's happened and I was born, you know. That sounds so cool. <laughs>
1: okay, so, so then Noor is born. He's a really friendly, funny, uh, enjoyable person to be around. What happens then? Um, you go to regular school?
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I went to school and I was like on the sixth grade when, 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 the, when the civil war happened and like the, 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 the Mujahideen took over the government. And, uh, and uh, soon after that, the Taliban attacked on mazar sharif in 1988. And uh, so I, I stopped going to school. So we went to Pakistan we crossed the borders illegally and uh, we found out that the situation even much, is much tougher in Pakistan and then we planned to come back to Afghanistan and finally uh, did a lot of dating jobs, you know, until 2001. In 2001 I, I, I resumed my high school. I started from 7th grade and I was graduated in uh, 2008 from high school. And then after that actually I couldn't go to university and I couldn't like properly educate myself. I had to work and I had to take care of the family as I I was the oldest son of the family. So I had a lot of responsibilities to do when I had five siblings and I had to help all of them with the education and stuff.
1: And I understand that's very common in Afghanistan as well, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's like everybody does.
1: So let me ask you something else. As some of your memories of as as a child living in, in war-torn in Afghanistan, can you tell me anything about what it was what it was like? Like, do you remember? Do you have any memories of, of bombings or or Taliban control of your city or that
0: kind of thing? Well, actually, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, war is in general it's it's horrible. You know, uh, you had to escape. You had to leave home you have to worry you see dead bodies on the street you see you know nobody's taking care of the dead bodies and everybody's just thinking about themselves how to stay alive and you see dogs you know eating the human beings body on the streets and uh, they're barking everywhere well it's just a bloody situation you know and you need to escape all the time and you're hungry you're thirsty you get sick And the sickness kills a lot of people beside the war. And you're away from home. You need to uh, live in the mountains, you know. So, yeah, we experienced a terrible situation like that. And I remember every single moment, unfortunately. And it was totally horrible.
1: Right. So then you said your family ran to Pakistan. You guys found out that the situation was worse over there. What do you mean by that?
0: Uh, Well you know, during the Taliban regime, a lot of Afghan people, they migrated to different parts of the world, especially like the the weakest and poorest people, like us, they went to Pakistan, they went to Iran, just to run for their life. And the, the problem with us in Pakistan was that we didn't have documentation, because we were just Afghans, and we crossed the borders illegally. Like, police bothered us all the time, like asking about the documentations, like from me from my brother from my father right. and for sure we didn't have it and then you know they were asking for money and uh, like
1: money so that they should stop bothering you
0: yeah and, uh, it, and it it was it was only for, for for only a day so it was happening all the time and every day what and do you mean it was for only a day like for example today they were standing us okay who are you okay show me what do you have like we didn't have anything like id cards or whatever oh,
1: you think they'd only bother you for a day and then they'd go away and then come back yeah, again yeah so later?
0: Mm, yeah, and, and then and the other day another police stopped us somewhere else and another day another police stopped us somewhere else uh-huh. so it was like a big problem with us right and uh, sometimes we were paying a small amount of money and then they they, they, they let us go Sometimes we didn't have it and they were saying like off and stuff like bad things to us and finally kick our butt you know just go away get lost and stuff like that and uh, It was a very like, tough situation yeah, so the next question I wanted to ask you was,
1: you know, as an American citizen and as somebody who's, who was born in the 90s, September 11th played a very big role in my life. Like, it's one of the memories that I remember very well. Everyone knows where they were on September 11th when they heard the news. What was it like for you guys? What, what happened?
0: Well, you know, at that time I was exactly as I remember. I was a shoemaker and I was just working in a shop. We're in Mazar, friends in Mazar-e Sharif, yeah, but it was during the Taliban regime. Okay. So we were listening mainly the BBC news on the radio, and that was the only the only resource to hear about what's going on around the world. Okay. And uh, we suddenly found out that the World Trade Centers are exploded by two airplanes, and uh, the terrorists attacked the Arabs and their Al-Qaeda groups and and we knew who Al-Qaeda were because they were in Afghanistan but uh, we were we were surprised and we didn't know a lot about World Trade Center we didn't know a lot about America and I was young at that time and uh, well some some people around you know especially the Taliban everybody and they were they, they were very happy that like you know this happened to an infidel country and killed like infidels and stuff like that right and uh, some people were you know sad because all those human being beings lost life out there and yeah. it was it was shocking and uh, and that was the only location that I heard about uh, world trade centers and terrorist groups Like Al Qaeda groups attacking the World Trade Centers, and that was the first time I heard the name George Bush in the radio, Mm -hmm. and I I never understood that that, that there is a U.S. and the U.S. has a as a president, you know, and that was the first time I I've heard the name of George Bush, and and then George Bush warning that he is going to revenge, he is going to take care of this, and uh, and that's what happened. Yeah.
1: Now, when did you first hear the name Bin Laden?
0: Actually, I don't really remember now But I think it was during the Taliban regime It was before, sometime Before September 11th or after? Before, before, before for sure September. It was before September 11th It was during 1998, 1999
1: Maybe these years Right Yeah So basically, George Bush uh, threatened the I believe it was the Taliban He said, like, you guys better, you know give us the people who did this or else we're coming and we're gonna yeah like we're really gonna light it up and then so what happened how long after did the Uh, war start
0: like very soon like the the next week uh, like two weeks later we found out that America is going to attack Afghanistan so we didn't know a lot about the details of uh, what's, going, what's, what's happening around the world and what is America planning or what is he asking for from Taliban. So we, we, we didn't know all this. We just found out that America is going to invade Afghanistan and uh, to, to revenge and to keep America in a secure position and like, uh, kick out the, the terrorists from Afghanistan. Some people were happy because they were so bored and tired of Taliban regime ruling over the people, and some people was worried because they thought that maybe if America come here they will bomb, they will kill the normal people and stuff like that. so actually, I was worried at that time, yeah. and also Taliban declared uh, uh, a holy war against the America, and he they encouraged all Afghanistan people to help them to fight against America. but how old were you at the time at that time I was like. 17 years old
1: right, So were you getting Approached at the time By people like Trying to get you to fight
0: No No uh, You know Ethnically I was a Hazara And the Taliban Never believed the Hazara Because we were somehow A target at that time
1: so you're saying that the yeah. Taliban and the Hazar people don't get along. Because I, I don't think people understand this. Like, the listeners may not know this, but there are many, many different ethnicities in, in Afghanistan. Yeah, as you are telling me, there are Turkmen, there, there are Uzbeks, there are there are Tajiks,
0: there are Pashtuns, there are Hazaras, there are Wahis, Nuristanis, Arabs. So there's all these yeah. different tribes, and, yeah. and
1: each one has, like, you know, different culture, different alliances. Yeah. So it's sort of a complicated place. Like yeah. So you're saying The Taliban did not get along With the Hazaras So there was no issue Um, Like people weren't trying to get you To to join any militia Or something like
0: that Um, Actually They may have asked The other ethnicities As Religiously They're Sunni Muslims Like Tajiks Arabs Uzbeks Pashtuns are all Sunni Muslims But Hazaras are Shia Muslims And this Is always a problem For Hazara people But uh, I'm not trying to provoke any you know, problems between the ethnicities of Afghanistan. They really like each other, they're very good. But Taliban particularly, at that time, they didn't have anything to fight against, but they wanted Afghanistan and they wanted to, you know, uh, you know kill Hazaras and uh, make Afghanistan free of Shia. But when the, uh, when the, when, when, when the America warned uh, Taliban uh, that they are coming to Afghanistan, the Taliban just declared war against the America and asked every every Muslims to come and join them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but but nobody liked Taliban and uh, like not not many people tried to help the Taliban. And uh, when America came, and it came very very clever, you know, they came with very strange big airplanes that. That you know, Taliban couldn't even shoot the, the airplane. It was very high and it was very big and it was very uh, exact, you know, with with targeting, yeah. the, the, like, and everything. And uh, only in in fifteen in in two three weeks, yeah, the, the war continued and the, the explosion happened. And every night, people were just going at the roof of the house, watching what was going on around the town.
1: So like, so like, you're telling me that. America's bombing your city and people are standing on the roofs of their homes watching.
0: At the beginning, everybody was afraid. I remember when, when, when I heard the explosion sound of the bomb and it was, and it was crazy and it shook all the village and, and the town. And we thought that, oh, America is just invading and uh, it's They're going gonna kill to assault. kill everybody. Yeah. yeah, And I was, I was kind of hopeless and I thought that's the end of our life. But after a while, I heard the, the next... Explosion! Um, I found out that nothing happened to us, and we just wanted to get out and see what's going on.
1: So you're saying they they were targeting the the bombs very specifically to to get the bad guys, Taliban or, or yeah, whatever.
0: they're they're targeting the, the the Taliban bases. So you're saying like after a few
1: days or weeks, you guys just got used, to it, and you're like, they're not gonna bomb us. They're yeah. they're looking for other people, so we can just go on the roof and watch.
0: You no, know, uh, actually, like after after like. One hour after the first bombing, we found out that they're not going to bomb. Because in the radio, they announced that America just started attack on Mazar-e-Sharif. Right. They launched the first rocket. And uh, they're trying to find the targets. And uh, they're not going to attack the people and the civilians. And then, and then we were happy. And, uh, and then we decided to go to the back of the roof and, and watch. And it was... It was crazy and it was fun, you know. Every night we were just waiting for the airplane to come, and in the darks we first saw, we heard the sound of an airplane, like we are hearing now. Right. And uh, like soon after that, the Taliban started firing ah. from the ground at the airplane, but nothing happened. And like after like five minutes, ten minutes, airplane going and going and going. Finally, it was a boom, and then we, and it was like a huge fire and then and everybody was you know some we 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 you know because it was Taliban regime and and we couldn't cheer you know but everybody was happy to see like Taliban are being crushed you know? so like
1: in your heart in your head you're like yeah. cheering away yeah go get him but but, uh, <laughs> but like just in case your neighbor is a member of the Taliban or something you're just like no, no, no. repressing your feelings you're like you're not gonna you're not gonna show that outwardly yeah because you don't want to yeah. upset any Taliban well, people mainly, who might be mainly
0: we, were, we we are living in very close communities like it's village like in the in, in the entire village it's only like one type of people I mean Hazaras are living together right like just beside that there is another village like Taj like Or, like, the other people are leaving. So, we didn't want to cheer because it was night, and if you like laugh out loud, then everybody hears, like, at the village close by. And then they know that, oh, these people are very happy, and then why are they happy? What's going on? And then it was a problem. So, we were just happy and like uh, speaking to ourselves and uh, sneaking and. Like so there's a, there's a plane either
1: taking off or landing right now so we're going to wait a second until okay it has passed more or less i think yeah yeah okay and then then at some point did did like did the united states take full control of your of your town or well,
0: yeah very happened. soon like after a week taliban taliban was gone you know some some nights we were going and waiting for their... and some nights they didn't do anything maybe i know the pilots were tired or Whatever they didn't come, and then it was, oh okay tonight I think they're not coming. Oh, so, so like everyone's night, like sad. Yeah, yeah. Like, so what <laughs> yeah. are they coming again? <laughs> and then they were just going back home. But after a week, uh, the Northern Alliance reformed because Northern Alliance was broken during the Taliban regime. No, everybody was gone to different places and escaped. Wait,
1: so can you tell us a little bit about who the Northern Alliance
0: is? Northern Alliance like uh, like commanders and jihadi warlords in the north of Afghanistan, like uh, uh, like. Like Dostum, like Mohakik, like you know, Atama Hamad Nur, like these were the warlords of the northern land, they, they all these. The, the, the leaders they came together and said okay the the US uh, special forces is going to help us so let's just come together and start fighting against the Taliban so
1: it's all these different like groups of militias yeah who are anti-Taliban yeah and they want to help the United States yeah. and vice versa
0: yeah and they just came together and because on the ground it was the northern alliance chasing Taliban and from the air Taliban uh, the, 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 the the American airplane were bombing.
1: But did you ever have that, like like in Baghdad, there were like, you know, tanks rolling through the streets and all that. Did that ever happen in Mazar Shalif or...?
0: Yeah, a lot, every day. Yeah, no, really? It was just part of the normal life.
1: And did you ever like talk to the American soldiers or...?
0: Uh, well, later on when I was a school student and I was going to English school, I did talk to some American soldiers, but they were not really... You know, they they didn't want us to approach them and talk to them. What do you feel
1: like they saw you as a threat, or they just weren't interested? Um,
0: um, I think I don't know. They they were on a mission. Maybe they were scared because of security issues and. Uh, yeah, because you know, like I yeah. mean,
1: for you it, it may yeah. have been offensive, yeah. right? Because like you know, you just want to say hi yeah. to the soldier, but but in in these, I don't know if it happened here necessarily, but in other countries there have been children who were like suicide bombs yeah. like, their yeah. parents were like or someone That's would true. put a bomb on them and like say go talk to the soldiers and then kaboom that's understandable. understanding. So, so yeah. you might understand yeah. why they were apprehensive yeah. to talk to you.
0: So yeah, we, uh, somehow we didn't know. We just found out that they, they, they just didn't like it and we didn't know at that time that it's based on responsibility. Right. So we were just uh, English students and we just wanted to practice and it was quite fun, you know, to go to see an American soldier. It was just like the soldiers we saw in the movie and we never saw an American soldiers before. You know, like a, a big white man, you know, with the with the crazy strange gun. Because we saw a lot of Kalashnikovs in AK-47, but we never saw the American weapons, and it was very interesting for us. And it, they, they look very, very familiar, like like we saw the the, the movies, like Terminators, especially the Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, they just looked something like that with the sunglasses, like. And we just wanted to talk to them, and it was quite fun, but you know, some, somehow they, they, they just pointed us to not to approach. And soon, at the back of the vehicles, we found out that there was a hand trying to stop people not to approach less than 50 meters.
1: What do you mean a hand?
0: Like it was a palm of the hand. It's a picture of the palm of the hand at the back of the tanks oh, to, like a sign. to show people not to come. So sort of close. like a stop sign, like yeah, stay, stop sign, stay yeah. away. Yeah,
1: and it, I guess it's said in in the local language. Like, did it did it say don't come close, or you're just supposed to understand from your from yeah? I from think the it, sign?
0: it was an uh, English like uh, not to come close and. Uh, also in Pashto and Dari, it was also written. So then, then, after that we found out that we shouldn't approach the American soldiers. And I didn't have a lot.
1: So actually there's a man approaching us right now who's trying to sell us tea or coffee. But uh, that's just part of, you know, sitting out here in Kabul. Anyway, back to your story.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that's what happened. And uh, well, yeah, Mazar Sharif was captured by the Northern Alliance with the support of the U.S. Special Forces.
1: Right. Yeah. And then, uh, what happened next? So, Noor goes to high school.
0: Yeah, after that, we resumed the high school, and it was a very crazy situation in the high school as well, because for four years, nobody went to high school. Like, I was overaged. For example, I was, like, 12 years old when, when I was in the sixth grade. But when I went to seventh grade. I was like, uh, you know, like 16 16 years old. Yeah. And uh, it was too late for everybody. Like we had all all my classmates were old people with beards and moustache and they were just coming to high school and it was (laughs) crazy. And soon the new books of Afghanistan was released for the school children. And it was just a new season and uh, a new chance. The schools were reopened and especially my English course was reopened. And I resumed my English studies and uh, It was nice, it was a new hope, and uh, we were happy.
1: Okay, good. So then you graduated high school?
0: Yeah, I I graduated high school in 2008.
1: Okay, and then what happened?
0: Um, Well, as I say, I was the oldest kid of the family. First of all, I started working as an English teacher because at the same time I was graduated from English school as well. So well, It's I a separate school than high school? Yeah. So it's yeah. like an afternoon school? I have after to pay for two, uh, for, for two hours. It's just a private school. You go every day for two hours. After school. To learn English. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and you need to pay for that. Because I was going to the government school and it was free. Right. And for the private schools I was paying. Yeah. So after I was graduated from the, an English high school, and because my English was very good, and uh, I said, okay, let's try to be a teacher just to have a job. And there is a Lincoln Learning Center, which is uh, like an academic branch of the U.S. Embassy, activated in many provinces of Afghanistan. Okay. I started working as a teacher there. So, and I was, the mission was to build a cultural bridge between the Afghans. There's a
1: soldier here. He's screaming.
0: Right? What did he say? He's saying the people who's going through Who's going to Dubai? They should come because okay, the flight. So is
1: basically, late. He's, there's a soldier standing yeah. near us, and he's calling out that anyone who wants to go to Dubai, because there's a flight, the Emirates flight to Dubai soon, should uh, get inside the airport because it's getting late. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to this English school, and you start teaching English.
0: Yeah, and I was a teacher for two years, and then after that, I started working to a United Nations project. Uh, it was a capacity building project for the people who was working for the government, and I was I was again a teacher out there, and then later on I started working for the JICA, Jap- Japan International Cooperation Agency, and then I started working with the. Mainly, I was a security advisor. I was I was advising for security, like for the projects, where to go, where not to go, how to work, you know. What, you know uh, how to implement a project. And, so where,
1: uh, can you describe a little bit, What, like, first of all, where did you get security training to become an advisor? Actually,
0: or? I never had a security training. I just studied a lot about the security. And uh, uh, during this time, I studied... Oh, sorry, I, I forgot to say that when I was working in this Lincoln Center in Mazdaq Sharif, I studied a lot about the history. Yeah. And I translated some... Uh, American history books, as well, like it was Independence Day, like uh, Thanksgiving Day so you
1: translated American history books into yeah
0: to, for the for the Afghan students because the mission was to build a cultural bridge between afghanistan and and, and the u s and so we the mission was to introduce America to the people of Afghanistan, so I, I was trying to do that, and I was I was translating books and what, at to this in, time to introduce America
1: to people of Afghanistan or vice versa. Introduce Afghanistan to the people of America?
0: Mainly it was America to the people of Afghanistan because it was an American center and Afghan students were coming there.
1: So then you are introducing Afghanistan to America?
0: Yeah, and then, and then a lot of expats were also coming out oh, there. Okay. And then I was introducing Afghanistan to them. So I was kind of a bridge between these two nations. Right. And uh, mainly that was the time that I was interested into Afghanistan history as well. And I studied a lot about the Afghanistan history. And then I found out some nice places and uh, when some expats were coming and I was telling them about Afghanistan and history and they were surprised and I told them that I can show you these parts. And then we were going out to see the Balkh, you know, the Samangan, you know, some interesting sites of Afghanistan. And then that was how I became involved into guiding and, uh, you know, introducing Afghanistan. But after this work with the Lincoln Center, I had to work, I had to take care of the family because during the war when we moved from Mazar-i-Sharif and went to the Ghazni, the central Afghanistan which is very mountainous areas
1: That was during the four years that you were in school?
0: Yeah, and my family was in Ghazni province uh, I came back to Mazar-i-Sharif even during the Taliban regime at the beginning, like in 1998 when they took over Mazar-i-Sharif we escaped and went to Pakistan, Helmand and i know, came back and in 2000 I came back to Mazar-i-Sharif and in 2001 Taliban left Afghanistan. Actually, they didn't lift it, they were kicked out of Afghanistan. And uh, then, yeah, it was around 2007 and 2008 that I started introducing Afghanistan to the expats. And then after that, I had to work for Japanese International Cooperation Agency, USAID Projects, and many other organizations. And then in 2013, I started Slowly guiding, 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 and until end of 2015. In at the at the beginning of 2016, I I officially uh, said goodbye to my jobs, and I wanted to run my own little company named the Let's Be Friends Afghanistan. So in 2016, 17, 18, and now 19, we're. Uh, we're just running tours around Afghanistan, and invite people, and uh, introducing Afghanistan to people. And that's uh, that's a nice feeling.
1: Yeah, so that's that's actually why I'm here because yeah, uh, and, because uh, you're running this this, this business. And uh, so, can you tell me a little bit about what it was like starting this business? First of all, I don't know if people know this, but there are very few uh, tour companies in Afghanistan like you like you're one of like five or six companies right yeah yeah. like in the whole country
0: yeah so like you
1: in the United States there are probably tens of thousands of of, you know travel agencies tour agencies like that and you're one of like maybe maximum seven
0: yeah unfortunately uh, well well first of all I should say that this business is quite new in Afghanistan nobody knows a lot about tourism and how to run you know this type of agencies in Afghanistan and uh that's one of the thing and the other thing is that you know people around the world they're afraid of afghanistan i know that you know the media these media people they just wait and wait and wait until a bad thing happened and they just grab their cameras and everything and then start shooting and then show it to you in the other part of the world and they say that's afghanistan but the truth is that that's not well i cannot say that's wrong well that's just part of something right because like those yeah. things did happen yeah. but it's not yeah that's not everything about Afghanistan right. you know well, right. we have nice places safe locations we have places that even the terrorists don't want to go there because it's, there's nothing for them you know for example for example why a terrorist guy should go for example to the blue mosque you know it's just a beautiful site it's just a religious site for people to go pray so mainly the like taliban and the other terrorist groups they, they, they just don't want to explode themselves inside inside the blue mosque they just want to go to a high profile location to a high profile zone like an embassy like an something. embassy like military bases like to to uh target like vips like they want to do something yeah, um, but then
1: you have like you have like isis i understand like they're they're new here but they're they're unfortunately i i hear growing about a ISIS. little bit
0: yeah they they're growing slowly like in most
1: of the world they're being destroyed but here they're growing so
0: ISIS has this uh,
1: they have this thing they do where they they love blowing up like old monuments um, they they do attacks on mosques they they've blown up many mosques yeah. so like that worries me a little bit because because they're here but you're saying you know in the past it hasn't that hasn't been an issue there are certain places that are safe with ISIS, you know, you just never know. they just they do they do everything.
0: Well, about ISIS, they they they, they, they don't really have the control of Afghanistan now. The, the locations that they're controlling, it's really mountainous areas and, and it is quite far. Even the government cannot go there and they just nest out there. And uh, I hope they won't get more strong, more stronger, but well, for ISIS, I believe they're 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 they're, they're different. Yeah. They're different and most of People who are with the ISIS, they're, uh, they're kind of strangers. And most of them are not even from Afghanistan. They come from, from several other countries and what? just try to do a holy war inside Afghanistan. So where were yeah. they be coming from? I don't know. Maybe, like, mainly Arabic countries. Okay. Most of them are Arabs. And, uh, like, I really cannot name the countries. But they're, they're coming from Arabic countries. There are other, you know, kind, like neighboring countries around Afghanistan also uh, somehow joining there are many other terrorist groups as well in Afghanistan, like recent Life, and there are 27 active groups that they have members and they're working in Afghanistan. So, you told me
1: that before I came, I mean, of, I, I thought there were only three.
0: They're they quite far. You okay. know. I they, thought they were there were Taliban, but, but, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. But that's the truth about Afghanistan, you know, okay. unfortunately. But uh, it doesn't mean that they're very strong and they, they can do whatever they want in mazar sharif or Bamiyan or Herat or Kabul. You saw, you saw the thing, so. And the locations that we work it's quite places that those type of people, first of all, cannot go, and a second, they don't really want to go when they have like very high-profile places, people to target. Why should they go somewhere which is not really important for them? You know? Right,
1: and and you like, you showed me your country over the past few days, and you know, thank God, so far everything's been wonderful. People are really friendly. Um, The the land is just beautiful, the fruits are delicious Oh, thank you so Um, much, thank you for visiting It's really, really a nice place You know, as a child growing up in the United States I never would have imagined that this is Afghanistan Because I only saw, you know, in the media they only showed us the action They didn't show us an Afghan man selling grapes in the market It's not interesting to the media, you know what I mean? So, that's, and I I, I imagine, I I think I understand that that's like what you're trying to accomplish through your company
0: that's that's yeah. That's the thing. That's, you know,
1: should, I think we should wait a minute until the helicopter okay. passes. Okay.
0: Well, you know, as an Afghan, like just just as a human being, that you belong to a country, to a territory, it's so sad when everybody around the world talks bad. You know, talks. Uh, crazy about about your 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 motherland in like your country i mean afghanistan and uh i just wanted to do something you know like anytime in the news even even the local news when i was just flipping the channel and then i saw explosion kidnap news bad news and it was really boring and i was really tired of watching them even the international news about afghanistan was nasty the, the, the local news about afghanistan was crazy and so i said let's just resume this thing and I just wanted to do, like, thinking to myself, how to introduce, like, how to show the other part of Afghanistan. And I knew it was not everything about Afghanistan. And uh, th- we have we have childrens going to school. We have you know love marriages. We have wedding parties. We have bazaars. We have local transporting stuff at the back of their camels and donkeys going to the bazaar well, you
1: have a lot of you also have a lot of good food that I could not eat we because have, I only eat you know, kosher we have but...
0: very nice fresh products you have
1: all the, all yeah, the kebabs like, and stuff it looks like good food we have,
0: we have history we have culture we have amazing beautiful sights and nature you know yeah. to see but nobody wants to talk about that well almost nobody almost nobody wants to talk about that but I just wanted to say okay let's let's do something and uh And uh, I just found tourism the only way for now to show Afghanistan to the people around the world. Like, and it took a lot of time for me to work on this, to make a trust and then invite people to come to Afghanistan and show. And I really appreciate the travelers and tourists who are coming to Afghanistan because I think at this situation, we won't really survive without without these particular type of people. Why did you uh, say that? Because if these people don't come to Afghanistan, if they don't go back home and share the stories and pictures and the lovely time that they had in Afghanistan, I I believe the Afghanistan will remain unintroduced. And and only the media show always the bad things. And uh, that really ruins the Afghanistan, our nature, our culture, our people, our history and dignity and everything so that's why i'm really appreciating this type of people who are coming to afghanistan to see afghanistan to show afghanistan to the others
1: right and and on the business side of things how did you get your first clients like like you know no one knows who you are all of a sudden like you'll invite someone to come to afghanistan or why you know i understand now they trust you because you already have a reputation you know you have reviews on TripAdvisor and stuff but in the old days how like how did it start
0: i i had some friends that I showed them Afghanistan in the old days, like in, in 2007. I just contacted them back and I told them that, look, I'm, I'm going to do something like this. But where are
1: these friends from?
0: like? Um, different parts, mainly from the U.S. because I, I was introduced to them at that. When you American. were working
1: at the different agencies?
0: No, 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 at the Lincoln Learning Center. Okay. okay. Uh, mainly Americans. And then at the different agencies as well. And... Uh, uh, Yeah, and the, I, I posted some old pictures on my Facebook, and then some people liked it, and finally, two journalists wanted to come to Afghanistan, and they asked for me, and I was introduced by friends to them, and then, and then some companies uh, contacted me that they wanted to run tours in Afghanistan, and I guided for them, like, uh, and then slowly, slowly, I was, I was on. Somehow I was on Lonely Planet, on TripAdvisor, and people recommended me. And that was how we began. And especially I had a French friend by the name of Lucas. He was really the one who really helped me with building a website. You know, like the, the website that we have, Let's Be Friends Afghanistan. This, I, I had the ideas and everything, and I just needed help. And this guy really helped me and he set it up that website for me and I put it all those pictures and information and I wrote and wrote and
1: it is a beautiful website
0: yeah and like most of my clients they send me reviews and uh, I was allowed to put their pictures and thoughts right. and uh, that, that, that was the beginning of everything so slowly and slowly but very slowly uh, we we made it and I'm happy uh, now we are we're hosting a lot of people from different parts of the world and to you, Afghanistan. You've
1: seen a lot of growth this year, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And in, in 2016, we only had only two people, it just belongs to Let's Be Friends. Right. In 2017, we had 12 people. In 2018, we had 60 people. And in 2019, I already done with you, it's going to be 63. 63 so we're 63. supposed to guide another 60 people till the end of the year. Wow. So it's uh, actually a nice grow yeah and it's like it's a 200% incentive. yeah and hopefully like now you 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 saw now we are many other people are working with us and then they're guiding they're driving you know like in every cities they take care of the trips and stuff and the, like now many people are trying to help me you know in, 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 in our team here yeah, and it's so. very nice
1: because you're like you know Afghanistan has historically been a place where people struggle with unemployment and you're like you're, you know you're
0: giving a lot of people business yeah that's that's actually one of the, the happy things about this little company you know one day I was working alone for let's be friends and now let's be friends is somehow able to find work for like 15 to 20 people you know yeah and uh, that's that's good news and that's that's nice
1: yeah. And how do you select your your employers like employees like you know it is Afghanistan after all You know, people might have alliances with with different groups that might be hostile to tourists. How do you, you know, figure out who you can work with?
0: Unfortunately, that's true. So we need to be very careful. And unfortunately, I cannot really trust anybody. So when I pick, for example, somebody to guide for for us in Herat or in Kabul, he or she needs to get introduced by a very trusted friend. This friend of mine knows him. And then when he gets introduced to me, I just interview him and I just go to meet him. And I try to find where he lives and I try to dig deeper on him. So where has he worked before, like a little bit background check and stuff. And then uh, I I speak with him for a long time and then I I find his thoughts and imaginations and everything. And then this friend should guarantee that he's a very good guy because just before I go and meet him and everything the the friend of mine that I really trust him guarantees the guy and then I start working with him
1: right and to the listeners I want to say you know yesterday uh, Noor and I went on a big day trip to the mountains but before we left Kabul we were uh, you know on the outskirts of Kabul there's a market and I wanted to go out and take some pictures in the market so Noor took me out and we went to this shop they were selling fruits father and son run the shop and and i asked noor if you know if i could take a picture with them so noor asked them they agreed so we took this photo and then they invited us to sit down and have fruits they're very nice hospitality was very special but as we were leaving the man invited us for like lunch he said why don't you come to my house and you know i'll make you a meal and whatever obviously we didn't have time to do that and i, don't, I only eat kosher so we weren't going to do that but then i saw noor and this man exchange phone numbers and i asked noor like Are you gonna from now on is this gonna be one of the people you know you're gonna take your your clients to meet and he said it's possible but first you know I'm gonna go to this guy's house and eat a meal with him I'm gonna figure out what he's all about you know make sure he's a safe person make sure he's a normal person make sure he's not a threat to anything you know if I can confirm that he's a a good person then you know then perhaps we'll work with him in the future so you really do have like a I like your process of like you really want to get to know people, yeah. make sure because it is a big responsibility like yeah. bringing tourists Absolutely. to Afghanistan.
0: Absolutely, so we try our best to keep the clients safe. So we hope that nothing happened to any tourists from belongs to any companies and from any part of Af- of the world in Afghanistan. So all our all the people who comes to visit Afghanistan, we like them and we appreciate their idea of visiting Afghanistan. And I know it took a long time for you to decide to come to Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, and thank you so much for the braveness you know, and that's that means a lot to me. And uh, we never want anything bad to happen to to you. Salam
1: So um, you, were, you were telling me earlier on the trip a little bit about how you know people around the world are afraid of Afghan people and and how your passport almost allows you to go nowhere. So you were telling me that you almost became a foreign exchange student and um, and then all of a sudden you got rejected because of your your, your nationality.
0: Uh, I cannot say that actually it's a bit difficult to judge about that, but I don't know why. Uh, the there was uh, an organization named American Council at that time so and this American delegations were in charge of this project and the name of the program was youth exchange for study yes program and uh, I was accepted in the YES program through a very extensive uh, uh, challenge on English and I passed many essays tests and interviews and I was accepted finally And those were the guys who took, who processed and took passports for us because I didn't even have passport at that time. And uh, we went to the U.S. Embassy finally for the interview to receive the visa. A family was supposed to take care of us for one year uh, in the United States. And uh, I don't know, all of a sudden, when I went to the U.S. Embassy and they interviewed me, An interview was just a normal type of interview it was not like very difficult questions it was like what my name was where was i living why i'm going to united states and stuff like that and i just normally replied and for sure i told them that i'm going for education for one year and somehow i decided uh they decided not to give me a visa and they just told me directly that today we cannot give you a visa it means it means that We cannot give you a visa, so it's not only about that day. I never heard back about them. And uh, I never heard why they didn't give me a visa, and I was just rejected like that. And uh, I lost the chance to go and study in the U.S. for one year. And uh, you you were not, like, you must have been devastated. Well, absolutely. You know, for one year, this process was like almost one year, and it took a lot of time waiting and preparing. I was. Suppo- I had a lot of plans. I wanted to talk about Afghanistan to people about ethnicities, about who who terrorists are, who the normal people are. I wanted to talk about the nice things of Afghanistan. Like uh, I had a lot of projects, you know, to implement about Afghanistan. And in once the you US. got to the United States, you wanted yeah. to do all these things. But you know, all of them were just destroyed, and nothing happened. And I, it was it was a bit devastating, unfortunately.
1: So it's it's really nice that like at this point. You know, you may not be able to go to the United States yet. Hopefully, that situation will change, and and you know, people will start perceiving Afghanistan in a different way. But in a way, you are doing what you plan to do then in America. But you're just doing it in Afghanistan. You know what I mean? You're bringing exactly. You're bringing exactly. people here, and well, you're showing them the land and the people and the food and the culture. And you are you are accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish originally.
0: Yeah, hopefully, and um. I'm 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 exactly happy about that. And I'm I think I'm proud of that. You know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, at that time when I was devastated, it was just because of education because I was supposed to educate for one year in the United States, and that's not something easy. You know, that that was something very very important and life-changing right. thing. And And uh, but that not, but that didn't happen. But yeah, we worked and we worked like that was not the end of everything for me and uh, we just worked on this and hopefully I'm happy now like I show Afghanistan and uh, I know a lot of people and it's a very enjoyable job you know I'm I'm, I think this is the only job that I'm never bored of you know I'm always energetic to show Afghanistan to people I never get tired of this and uh, I meet different people from around the world and I make a lot of friends and that's really enjoyable like now I have a lot of friends around America around you know Europe, and Australia, Canada, around Central Asia, like that's nice, you know? Like, yeah. So, you know,
1: if you do what you love, you're never going to work a day in your life because you're just loving what you're doing. Hopefully. Yeah, that's true. So I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking me around your beautiful country to help me better understand the place. Um, you know, I really, really sort of fell in love with this country. Very special people, very kind and and... This is not something I would have experienced uh, without you. So I appreciate you for that. And I love what you're doing. Keep it up. And I wish you good luck and everything.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sloan. Uh, actually, the same thing for you. So if people like you don't come to Afghanistan, I'm going to say this again. That we cannot make it. And I really appreciate all the people who want to come to Afghanistan. Not only with let Friends, with any other companies. Just... Find find the right person and come and visit Afghanistan. Like whatever you see in the media, uh, that's not everything about Afghanistan. That's the only message I want to send. That Afghanistan has a lot to offer, so no worries.
1: Right, and if people want to find out about your work, like online, where can they find you?
0: Um, well, there is a Facebook page. Let's be friends. Tourism in Afghanistan. There is an Instagram page. Like let's be friends. Afghanistan, without any dot, without any, uh, you know. Just type continuously Let's Be Friends Afghanistan. Right, and,
1: and your website?
0: Or normally just like write Let's Be Friends on, on Google and then everything pops out.
1: That's, Great. So yeah. I, I hope that you're going to get a lot more customers <laughs> no, and a lot more so. people to, so. uh, to experience this with you. Once again, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you so much. Have a nice day. You too.
1: I hope you found that interview as fascinating as I did, and I just want to say, just for the record, I do not recommend anybody visit Afghanistan, it is a very, very, very dangerous place, however, it is a very interesting place, meaning I hope that Afghanistan fixes itself, I hope that it gets to a situation where people can visit Afghanistan and can feel safe over there, but for the time being, it's very dangerous, don't recommend visiting, and if you do, it's on your own risk, now, Before we go, I just wanted to let you know that once again, there's this awesome, awesome, awesome app called Acorns, and it can help you save money. If you're not good at saving money, if you're the kind of guy who just spends all your money right away, Acorns can help you save money without you even knowing it. They could put away money daily, weekly, or monthly straight from your bank account into savings. You won't feel it. They can do roundups on your credit card. Let's say you spend 99 cents on something. They will take a penny and put it into savings. Slowly, this stuff adds up. And before you know it, you might be able to have money to lease a new car, buy a new car, go on a vacation, or get yourself a gift. Anything you want is possible when you are saving money. So if you're interested in this, please sign up for Acorns using my link. It's in the show description. Additionally, please follow the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can get it. Please subscribe, tell your friends, please leave us a positive review if you enjoyed the podcast. And you can follow us on all our social media pages at You Are Not A Goat, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Additionally, you can follow me on my social media pages at Chusidel, that's C H U S I D E L, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. New videos coming this week, uh, usually travel vlogs and interesting stuff. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to seeing you again later.
0: You are not a goat. The podcast for you. (laughs)